0: Welcome back to the Deshawn Dodd Podcast, the 105.7 or the 89.9. Today, we have an Afro-Indigenous female rapper on the show, Mama Rude Gal MTHC. She's also a singer, dancer, mother. She's amazing. You can find her EP on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, basically everywhere. Now the interview was pre-recorded because I wanted to talk about something before we get to the interview. I think whenever my guests get personal on the show or talk about something, you know, you know, in their childhood or life, I really find it, you know, I always look at them as like heroes. And they are. What they stand for how they're helping the community, our community as indigenous people, you know, and so I I would really love all my listeners, you know, to go and check out these people's, you know, their career, their music, their podcasts, you know, their, their beating businesses, you know, these people, you know, the guests that I bring on the show, I feel they are genuine. They are, talented they are great at what they do and if I felt as though a guest didn't have those you know didn't have those things I wouldn't have them on the show so when you hear a guest on the show it's because I see it I know you guys see it and so just please go check out all the guests I have on my show you know the Foxing Around podcast, they were great to have on the show. They really brought me to a whole new side. Like they showed me from their point of view, you know, and then Mama Rude Gal, when she was on the show, she really brought it, you know, all these guests, they make me have different perspectives. They make me have different ideas. And, you know, they obviously inspire me to do something. They inspire me to come and do this show. I mean, I love this show anyway, but it just makes it even more great that they come on the show because they're great. They're awesome, they're heroes. So without further ado, here is the interview between me and Mama Rudgal and THC. Hello. Hi, this is Deshawn. And this is... Ma- okay, I just want to... S- I want to just see if I'm saying this right. Mama Rude Gyal, MTHC? That's right, yes. Awesome. Yes, okay. Yes. So how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so thankful that you could be on the show this week. Uh, and I'm just here to ask you some questions. I love female MCs. And you obviously are one. And you sent me a video of... Uh, um one of your raps that you did and i thought it was great i think you really spoke on some genuine things and i'd just like to ask you some questions yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me all right awesome so when did you start rapping and singing um i mean i've been singing since i was really
1: young um since i was just a kid i was kind of a wedding singer um at conference like entertainer Mm Hmm. For a long time before I could figure, before I figured out how to write my own songs, I was
0: just kind of like a wedding singer doing covers. Right. And uh, and then I was also at the same time as a backup
1: dancer. So my transition into becoming Mama Rude Gal was actually through more so my my dance because I was a backup dancer for um, a rapper from my reserve guy, His name's Little Smokey. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and one day we were. He was organizing a show for Joey Styles and like Dresus and everybody. And he was like, Hey, if you want to do 15 minutes, I'll put you on. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. And uh, so I just suddenly figured out how to write like overnight and I wrote a bunch of songs and, and I went and performed them. And and then that's about the time when I started rapping. So that was in
0: 2012. So it's been a little while now. Who, who are some of your biggest influences?
1: I say some of my biggest influences and I mean this is gonna sound really cliche but of course Lauren Hill has uh, oh, yes. to be like the number one um biggest influence that um from my life personally because I mean my mom was was constantly playing this education of Lauren Hill um growing up and And then, of course, uh, Missy Elliott was also huge, and Aaliyah. Those are like the three that were really constant in my childhood. I always had much music playing, like all the time. Um, I was primarily actually interested in dance my whole life. I'm actually a dancer. Mama Root Gal is actually my crump name. I'm a crump dancer. Oh. And and so I was watching Aaliyah and Missy Elliott music videos and learning the dance routines, and so that's why I was constantly, constantly like flooding my brain with Aaliyah and Missy Elliott uh, growing up.
0: Well, everybody knows on this show I am also a huge Aaliyah fan and I would just like to ask what is your favorite song by her?
1: Mm, I really, really like the song
0: Loose Rap. Oh. Um,
1: it's a more obscure Aaliyah song, but it's also one of her more recent songs. Um, one of the one of, yeah, one of her more from her more recent albums. I actually
0: just bought an Aaliyah C D off of amazon oh my gosh like no way <laughs> and i just got it and i just have it just so i have it just to have it right you know? i know my um, thing is yeah. I yeah i collect cds too and so i've been looking all over for an alia cd but i don't want to get scammed so as long as you bought one from amazon i know that's for sure yeah. so I, i'll yes, hopefully hop on that train but i don't care <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think it's like a grand so oh. I don't I can't afford that one But I can afford 40 bucks So um, Yeah What were aspects of yourself You wanted to show In your EP MRG um,
1: MRG EP was My debut EP It was like the first project That I ever was like Officially Like doing
0: Mhm.
1: So like For me it was a lot of kind of like an introductory thing and I don't know I was really just vibing I I don't think I had any like specific goals in mind per se when I was when I was working on it I was really just focused on making songs that were just like really good songs like regardless of what type of music you typically listen to or what genre or what era you prefer like these songs hopefully will be good Right You know, timelessly You know what I mean? Like, that's that's usually my goal And so that's kind of how I went into that And a lot of that album Just kind of fell out of my head, too Like, some of the songs I had to, like, really sit down And work hard to write Right But a lot of them Ended up just falling right out of my head And, and worked perfectly Like, Freedom Was was a last-minute addition And it completely just fell right out of my skull I wrote it, like,
0: really fast And it was It's one of my favorite things that I've ever written So, you know, and I could, you know, now that you said that Lauren Hill has been one of your biggest a- inspirations, you know, I listened to your EP through and through. I thought it was amazing. And now Thank I can, you. and now I can definitely see like aspects, you know, from the Lauren Hill album, because you go from, you know, your diversity with rapping and singing, I thought was great throughout the album. Like, you know, you. it's, you know, you have a single, like, is it 4 a.m. or 4 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah, four a. 4 a. Yeah, four a.m. I really loved that one. That one I thought was amazing. Your singing on that was perfection, I thought. And so, Thank you very much. right. And so, what would you say would be your favorite single off your EP? Um,
1: my favorite single off of that EP. Uh, that's a tough one. I really do love most of them. I'm not. I'm. I'm honestly not a huge fan of Die For, but I'm. I'm, I'm okay with it. But <laughs> um i think honestly brand new has got to be one of my yeah probably my favorite and i think also the most underrated <laughs> from from the ep um but yeah i really like the vibe of brand new for me it was really honest lyrically like i was being very very honest about um how i was feeling in the situation. Uh, blessed that I, I, feeling blessed to be where I was, um, reflecting on where I've been and, and just looking forward to the future
0: and, yeah. Do we have any new music coming or in the works? Yes, absolutely. I'm
1: actually, actually that's what I've been working on all day. Um, getting some music ready, um, some, some demos to send around, um, to people who are, Who require to hear them, I guess Um, But yeah, I'm working on my next album Right now, and I don't have any dates yet specifically For when it will be Released, but um, But yeah, it is in the works right now And I'm really, really excited I have some
0: pretty good features I tried not to get too many, but uh, Yeah, I'm very excited What new things can we see in this album Compared to the EP?
1: Yeah, I think uh, with with next album I include a lot more music which gives me a lot more space to tell many stories and um I kind of dive a bit deeper in terms of my personal like mental health um journey um I try to do it in a very poetic way so that I'm not spilling all the beans of course but you know I do I do um go I think EP is a bit more lighthearted, mm-hmm. uh, light spirited, and kind of more carefree in a sense. Whereas right. that reaction is is going to be an album that is, um, yeah, a bit grittier in in places than M.R.G. Uh, EP was.
0: What is something that you would say uh, differentiates you differentiates you from other artists?
1: Um, I mean. I feel like the things that set me apart, I guess, would be... I feel like I... I don't know. It's hard to say because, I mean, everybody probably answers this question really similarly, too, realistically, especially rappers. But right. I feel like um, lyrically, I, I just... I try to be really... I try to always carry myself with integrity when I'm creating music. And not to say that other people don't, but I'm, like, very, very, very conscious of the words, every single individual word that I choose has to matter, and it has to, like,
0: you know what I mean? So, like, I'll agonize over every single word and every single placement
1: and every single cadence until I have a song that I know I can trust to put out, mostly because I'm, like, I don't know. I I, I just really want to
0: make sure that that what I put out is is good and impactful. Right, and... I think for a true you know for me what makes a true artist you know a true artist is when they are very very critical of themselves and their work and so I love to hear or see when an artist puts their all and you know is very very harsh on themselves throughout their music because yeah I definitely I definitely analyze
1: everything and I mean like I'm a former band geek so I feel like I, I what I've learned being a, a rapper is that there's not actually very many people in the rap world who have technical musical backgrounds
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that like traditional musical knowledge which of course is not accessible to many of them you think about hip hop marginalized communities or the majority of the people taking up space in hip hop culture or um, occupying space in in the hip-hop culture and of course many of those individuals just simply didn't have the option to to receive that type of education um but nonetheless i do feel like i that gives me a bit of an advantage having that technical musical knowledge um and being able to like read music and and things like that um so i think that that gives me an interesting spin i'm also i used to be in a metal band so Ooh. I think that that gives me a different perspective as well on music and, and allows me to build my songs. And in, in a, it, both of those things, I feel like, allow me to build my songs differently than
0: perhaps other rappers might do. <laughs> so you did a cypher with other female MCs, um, indigenous ones at that. And it was great. I, love, I loved it. Do you think rappers today, you know, ciphers you really don't hear much of them do you think that should be kind of something that should be done more between rappers
1: yeah absolutely um actually my my um basically my team uh, Gang entertainment we we are working on a number of ciphers as well we actually put one on called counting coup um i'm blackfoot so to me counting coup is like a big um, big thing so so that was my mother helped me choose that name for the Cypher series as well but definitely we agree that ciphers are like an important part of community building in the hip hop world and right. relationship with one another and camaraderie and then also like you know everybody loves the opportunity just to um, really show off for like 16 bars
0: so Right, it's like a good opportunity for that and, and we love the idea of of just connecting
1: with as many indigenous hip hop artists as we can and also putting on as many indigenous hip hop artists as we get we know that our platform is not very big right now we don't have very
0: many eyes on us but anything we can do to contribute I mean we'll do it so so do you think the music world is starting to get more and more uh or sign indigenous musically gifted people and embracing their dreams you mean like are so, indigenous people able to So is the music, you know, industry starting to become more diverse into letting indigenous people do music? Yeah, yeah.
1: We I feel like what, we've had to kind of break in the back door, you know what I mean? Like right. we've had to like like and that's kind of my whole um my whole like thing with root gang too is like break in the back door at least if one of us is in there we can help each other in the back door we can help each other over the back fence and get into this exclusive party that's like so protected and so padded and so um like um curated like everything in the media that we were seeing in the 90s and even in the 2000s and even the 2010s um was so curated by such a small group of people And but who, I mean, we
0: can imagine our one demographic, which is most likely all white. Right. And so we're seeing everything that's being fed to us is through the
1: lens of that one single demographic. And so it was imperative for us to get in there and make sure, because what happens, obviously, as we've seen when when those are the people who are running our narratives for us, is our stories are told the wrong way and they're Mm -hmm. mishandled or they're appropriated or they're just completely whitewashed and all the substance is removed and then we get some savior who's some colonial savior or something, right? Right. So it was, like, really imperative for us to be in there and us having control. Um, And so right now... Um, basically I think the groundwork for this was laid like in the 70s with a lot of the older uh, indigenous rock band, especially Buffy St. Marie, of course. But they marched into the Juno office and demanded that Aboriginal indigenous music category be um, included in the Junos so that there was always going to be indigenous representation every single year at the Junos, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so from then on... Um, it's kind of like evolved and of course there are many different aspects to that as well but basically yeah I mean we 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 had to go in and make sure right we were included because they were not going to do it without that happening and and same like as a black woman as well like I'm black but I'm also a black woman as well and so both sides you have to march in and demand that your stories are told properly and by no you
0: know nothing um, about us, without us, right? Right. And so, um, so yeah. So now we're we're it's great that the
1: indigenous music industry is beginning to thrive. Um, Root Gang Entertainment um, founders, myself and my my partner, hope we had the the great opportunity to travel down to New Orleans right before lockdown, like right before COVID happened in January, last January, and attend the International Indigenous Music Summit and spend time with people from all over the world and. Uh, people from Australia, all these indigenous uh, musicians who are making it happen, and even the guitarist from Prince
0: oh. uh, was
1: there too. And, and, uh, and it was a really interesting time. So it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to be kind of involved in this new wave and this big wave of indigenous um, music industry that's like happening right like, right now and making,
0: taking its place, and, and insisting, like, you know what I mean? And, and not taking no for an answer anymore. Are there any specific Indigenous artists you would like to collaborate with? Um.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've collapsed with so many, many people. I would still really love to do collaboration with, like, Boslin. Um, I have some, I think... Some unreleased snotty nosed res kids. I'm not sure if that's going to happen because um, they're all big now. So they're very, very busy dudes. Um, but I think um, Anaxnid, she's from the East Coast. I'm here on the West Coast, so I haven't actually met her at all. So there's like still a lot of people. Like I know a lot of indigenous rappers, but there's still a lot of other indigenous um, musicians I've yet to meet who I admire very much, um, even from different genres that I would absolutely love to work with. Um, But anacnet is definitely one of the ones that
0: comes to mind most of all, I think, right now. So looking back at your career, what have been some of the hardest and some of the most positive moments in your career?
1: I'd say um, some of the most positive moments in my career were just those really validating moments um, that I had the good fortune of experiencing like, um, in 2017, MRGEP won two awards at the Fraser Valley, uh, music awards. And that was of course a very validating. So that was very pleasing. And, um, uh, amazingly MRGEP has like carried my career quite far, like it's 2021 and I'm still getting booked on the grounds of MRGEPs, um, quality so, um, so that's, always that's a constantly pleasing thing um, being chosen for opportunities based on on my work um, is that's very very those are my favorite moments um, so far of, of being of doing this work um, just having people I guess validate that I'm good at what I do by providing these opportunities and um, yeah but you, definitely those awards were some of the some of my highest um, moments um, I think the lowest possible moment of my career the hardest moment of my career um, was just realizing that as a woman in the industry um, that I'm not always safe still even when my name is on the poster for the event you know and and unfortunately I had a situation at, a, at an event that I did where I was sexually assaulted before my set even happened and still had of course had went and performed and did my set and couldn't really you know figure out how to deal with it at the time um it was just a very confusing moment in my career um and so that was that was probably like the hardest moment of my entire career was just like yeah that realization of that i still can't be totally safe and comfortable in my work yet because it's still a man's world and
0: uh, it's unfortunate. I'm very sorry to hear that. And, you know, we are always, I'm always here for you if you would ever need to talk about any, anything. But, you know, hearing that with Missing Murdered Indigenous Women, you know, mm-hmm. would are you willing to, you know, kind of put the put that type of message, you know, in your songs or any of your work?
1: Absolutely. That is something that I, I love to include in my work. One of my favorite tactics for spreading messages that I see are important and often also getting missed, right? Like people who need to learn that rape culture is bad are not. They don't want to learn that rape culture is bad. They don't want to hear it, right? So right. So how then do we deliver that information to them, right? Well, how many of those men are listening to rap? <clears throat> right? Right. Well, if I can just make this song sound like any other rap song, then maybe they'll just listen to it. And you know, like young people, and I, I say this a lot, I say this a lot, but this is this always stands for me, um, which is that young people, they hear rap music, they hear songs about you know, wanting to drink a lot of alcohol or party on a Friday. And then next thing you know, they're real excited and ready to party on a Friday. They think it's their own idea, though. They're not like, oh, that song I listened to a bunch of times told, said it was talking about partying on a Friday, so let's do that. Like, that's not how they're framing it in their mind, right? So right. So to them, it's their own idea because everybody's a bloody narcissist. So if I just put it in the music, then maybe the same thing will happen. And they'll be listening to this rap song without without really listening to it, because that's what people do. They listen to the rap songs, but they don't really listen very hard, right? Like, they're just bopping. They're just bopping around for, like, two weeks before they've really soaked up and and consciously realized what the song is about. Mm -hmm. And that can happen very, very often. And so that's kind of what I'm relying on. If I can't miss my music that sounds like just regular, you know, radio rap, but conscious rap at the same time, or it's like conscious rap parading as radio rap. You know what I mean?
0: Right.
1: And maybe I can reach the ears that are, are resistant to these messages. They don't, really don't want to hear them, but maybe I can kind of reach them a, with a little bit
0: more, more ease, you know? And it's crazy that, you know, female rappers like you are still fighting the fight that other big names like Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim, you know, yeah. these yeah. artists that are, that were fighting, they still fight today. You know, what would, you know, the message that they put in their songs you know that they couldn't be fucked with even in a man's world i think that's a great message and you know the point i'm getting at is is there you think there has been is there more fight to still be fought for and how much fighting are we still going to have to do
1: Like even right now with this whole situation with friggin' Pepe Le Pew, like this whole or Eminem yeah. and people being openly annoyed at people who find it problematic that Eminem wants to commit violence against women so proudly. Why should we be ashamed of having a problem with that? So that right there tells me, and I know that for the most part, obviously these are all rap fans, right? Because they're all defending Eminem, right? Right. So again, there it is, right there. They don't see a problem with the lyrics. For them, the problem lays with the fact that people are so soft that this would bother them. And that, to me, shows like we're still we're still struggling. You know, we still got a ways to go. There's a lot of men who um, want to respect women and who. Feel like they respect women, but still have these instances um, of unlearning that needs to happen, right? And there's everybody, including women. There's many women who have like internalized misogyny as well, and they, you know, are who these misogynistic men turn to to for validation as well, as well as each other. So there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done because, like I said, there's still so much resistance um, towards these simple ideas that you know that if men can be sexually liberated, then so can women. How is that confusing to How is that still confusing? You know what I mean? Right. So we've come very, very far, and it's great. Like, there are so many more men now who are supportive, who will openly, happily date, you know, a sex worker, who don't see there any problem with that, um, and, you know, who are not emotionally upset by women who who fall out of line so to speak you know what i mean like right um but yeah there's a lot of men who i think i feel like there might be a lot of young men like men my age who may be feeling a bit ripped off that they didn't get to live in an era where they could treat women that way openly where it was acceptable and normalized and now they're frustrated because they spent their whole like Youth and teen years, just waiting till they're old enough to do this, this, and that, right? And now it's like, well, no, that's actually horrible. I'm right? Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, because if you think about the way that these things were promised to young men, like in the media, and even older men, you know, teaching younger men, like, oh, just wait till you're older. It's like this, and it's like that, and and that was stuff that I witnessed and 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 heard and saw on tv and so and now it's not that's actually not true actually turns out that that's not actually how it's gonna be right and i think that a lot of people are having a hard time just accepting that and that's sad
0: that's very sad right there i think a lot of change you know definitely has come and there's still more to do and so i would just you know i would just like to say that you know you made a great point bringing up that um uh, you know men men were taught that they have you know they have the ability to do these wrongful things because of other people that have gone before them you know artists like r kelly yeah. you know who has yeah. who has done hor- horrendous things you know and so he is yeah. he was able to try and kind of teach a generation what a male performer should do or how she should act And then you have artists, you know, newer artists today, you know, Chance the Rapper, who's, you know, very, very supportive for female rappers and, you know, female sexuality and music in general, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, what, you know, oh, I don't even know what point I was getting at. I think I just wanted to rant. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's a frustrating thing. It really is. Right. Um. We just got to keep attacking it, you know? We got
1: to break down the patriarchy and just keep being, like, loud and proud. My real, my real, real, real name, um, my birth name is Tahira. Um, I changed it in grade four because I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Nobody could say that name, and it was the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, So I just changed it to make everybody's life easier, including my own. But the person I'm named after is a woman who was actually martyred, publicly executed for removing her hijab in front of a council of muslim men um and had spent her whole entire life living outside of gender roles and so she was constantly on the run because she was in the middle east
0: oh, wow
1: um this was in the 1800s and she was all she was defying she was like one of the pioneers of feminism and so and they killed her in the streets and that's who i'm named after and so that's like for me i i feel like i have a responsibility like i don't know any like, women who do that or who have done that and who are working on that right now. Right. And so I can't trust that hopefully someone somewhere is. So I just have to make sure that I do what I can to, to do, to, to, you know, to live up to that.
0: And as a mother yourself, you know, do you like, you know, make it your, you know, you make it in your mindset that I have to even further myself, make it a better world for my children, you know, as most mothers do, good mothers, you know, do. Mm hmm. You absolutely know.
1: and and my daughter
0: and I am I'm raising
1: a daughter as well so it's absolutely very scary to be raising
0: a, a right. daughter yeah. so you bead and I you know on your Instagram you you even sell your beading and how long have you been beading
1: yeah i it's i've just started back up i it's something i was taught when i was like in grade six, I went to, um, the one indigenous elementary school in Calgary, Alberta called Beat It was the first year of that school. And we got to do drumming and we got to do beating and, and we got to have powwows at school and it was like a really good time. And, and so uh, that was the first time that I initially learned. And then just recently, um, a friend of mine, DJ Cookham, her boyfriend is from my reserve. His name is B-Rad, B. Rad, and he is my um, beating, my, my Blackfoot choker guru who helps me learn all the things that I can't remember because it's been forever. Um, and, yeah, so it's just been, like, I think about a year, maybe a year and a little bit, that I've been doing the Blackfoot-style, um, traditional-style chokers. And just over the past, say, four or five months, I started picking up... Um, the actual seed bead beating and that's a lot
0: of fun I, I really enjoy it well i think it's great you know and with times going on do you you know i think we all need a good powwow so like after time after hopefully covid is done um are you gonna hopefully perform at some powwows that we could maybe see or are we you know maybe some events Absolutely. like that i mean if- If somebody wants to book me or book my
1: team, Rude Gang, at a powwow, by the way, Rude Gang, we're 100% Indigenous, um, Afro-Indigenous. I, myself, of course, am Afro-Indigenous. But, yeah, I mean, we're down to perform at powwows. We've been looking at Gathering of Nations for a few years. Um, Never really fully finished applying for that. And, of course, now we're in this scenario. But, yeah, we're definitely hopeful that um, things go back to normal because we are dying to get back on stage in front of an audience. Um, like, like we're supposed to be.
0: Mont. So I'm from Montana, and Montana has a very large Native American population. Would you ever think about coming here and performing?
1: Absolutely. Um, I did uh, my only one American, other than, of course, the 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 summit, the Indigenous Summit in New Orleans. Now, but before that, my only show was um, at a reserve. In Washington, um, Yakima, and that was a really interesting experience. And um, yeah, I love performing on the res. I perform on my res, Sixaga, when I was still doing covers, and I would love to. And also, Sixaga and Montana are like, like
0: I'm pretty sure I got family down in uh, down in Montana because the Blackfeet. yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, the reservation is here. And yes, montana That's right. and i'm a blackfoot i know that that border split my family at least a little bit so i mean i'm definitely down to to check out montana well we love that you represent us and so is always. there finishing up the interview i think one last thing that i always like to ask you know my my guests is what song have you been jamming to this whole week um, okay.
1: This, I'm, obs- I'm annoyingly obsessed with actually two songs that I, like, completely got on repeat right now. Um, Jealous by Mahalia and
0: Rico Nasty. Oh, my God. <sighs> this song is
1: insanely bop worthy. I can't even believe how good it is. Okay. I don't know why I'm hyping it up so much, but I don't know why, but I just absolutely love this song. And, um, Lemonade. Ah, oh, man, who. Who is the song by? Let me just check real quickly. It's a good, good song. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm actually like a dancer um, at the beginning of things. And so I watch a lot of dance videos. So for me, I got this Lemonade song from a dance video I was watching, which I don't really know the artist that well. Um, Internet Money Oh.
0: going to and don Tolliver lemonade oh my gosh yeah before it became viral on tiktok me and my friends would ride around going up up and down 10th avenue great falls listening to that song so definitely know that one (laughs) but if if you're into that song oh my god by Rico nasty you need to check out her song um smack a bitch with ruby rose i think and suki hana Oh, now that one I, that one I've been jamming to. So, I'm glad that you brought up Rico yeah. Nasty. Okay, I'm going to go pop that one for sure. <laughs> well, is there anything you would like to ask me before we trail off? I mean, oh, I don't even know. I mean, it's all right. I mean, I I'm I'm not I'm not good under pressure anyway. So, <laughs> I'm always kind of relieved when my guests are like, "No, nothing." <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the show. We definitely support you. I know my listeners will want to go listen to your EP, which is available on Apple Music. Um, where else could we listen to your stuff? Yeah, my my music is available everywhere. You can find me on YouTube, of course. Spotify, I've used Spotify. I'm pretty sure my stuff is on Tidal. I don't know anybody who uses uh, Tidal, but if you do, I used to... I used to use Tidal all the time. I had, like, a good <laughs> two years running, and then I finally switched to Apple Music because it was cheaper. So, but, yeah, I know some that people that so use Tidal. Right? It seems so exclusive. I just don't even... I, I can't even, like, I remember know, that it exists. <laughs> right? The HD plan, twenty five ninety nine. I paid for it once, and I want to say it was worth it because it's not just so title what's different from apple music is that i see is that title has way more music like on from artists you know and then the sound quality is better so if anyone is all about the sound quality yeah you can actually i I never even really would have thought of that yeah so they title what i love about titles you can edit the sound quality in some of your songs and like it's really cool. I really, that's the reason why I love title is because the music was louder, obviously. And then also the quality was better. So. Wow. That's super trivia. I'm going to keep that in mind. Right. All right. Thank you so much again. Thank you. All right. We will be in touch. Uh, I will let you know when the podcast is released and text me if you have any questions. Right on. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. You too.